Hello and welcome to the Unofficial Controller Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast. Episode 18, the history of handheld gaming, the past, the present and the future. With me, George, and this week, joined by George. Unfortunately, Tom's not with us, breaking the fourth wall. He's had a young son that they're naming Harry. No weights yet, but that's the reason why he won't be joining us today. And Trace Ray was going to be my co-collaborator this week, who cashed a favour in from Stingray. But seemingly at the last minute, young Wayne Ray decided, even at 14, he was going to ride a bigger boy's bike. As we know, he's slightly challenged vertically and came a cropper. And she's had to rush him down to A&E as Stingray's had his weekly delivery of video games to master. So unfortunately, it's the solo cast, the one that we'll all choose to forget and gloss over come the retrospective of the show, I'm sure, that will come. I'm scared I'm rambling, but there's only me, so I can't ramble. Normally, at this point in the time, we'd give you new listeners a rundown of how the show works out. So it starts with me asking Tom what he's been playing, in which case I'm going to have to rumble about what I've been playing with no breaks. So if this voice bores you, (laughs) it's time to move on. Uh, And then join us when we return to normal program scheduling. Anyway, once I've asked myself what I've been playing, we'll head into the latest news. And that for you listeners is the very latest news. Then we slip into the reason why we hope you all turned up, which is the feature. This week it will be the history of handheld gaming. And thankfully, listeners, you got in touch. So I can read out your segments and feel a little bit less lonely in the bunker today. And from there, we segue into the listener Stingray, the most popular most popular part of the show where you listeners let us know what you've picked up over the last gaming week be it retro new or whatever you know i wouldn't even mind seeing a picture of a guinea pig in there at some point in time uh and or or the rodents may apply and then we segue into what we call stingray's boot aka the new gaming releases for this week Then I would normally ask Tom what he's been playing, and I'll have to ask myself what I'm... No, I'll ask him what he's hoping to play, and then I'll ask myself what I'm hoping to play. The good news for the regular listeners is, at least if I do the show on my own, I won't forget to ask myself. Unusual. Anyway, what have I been playing this week? A little bit more Minecraft. I finished Days Gone. Celebratory cheer from the audience as I'm probably the last person on God's green earth to finish that game thoughts on the game do you know what do you know what I really really enjoyed it and if anyone sat on the fence like good old Tom would normally do jump down go pick yourself up a copy hopefully it's cheap enough now and then I went back and I picked up my Yakuza Kiwami save, spurred on by the mighty Sensei Rias and some of his gaming uploads that he's put on there. I thought I'd better crack through and get that done, so I've done. Picked up uh, Kazuma Kiru's Adventure and thoroughly enjoying it all over again. Uh, and that probably rounds it out, as I say. Probably spent more time on Minecraft than a, a sensible grown-up man should do, but hey... You know what? If you like it, you like it. Anyway, listeners, it's that time of the show. News. We've scoured the very darkest regions of the internet to bring you the latest story. First up, get your spray cans out. It's nearly time. Pixel Opus confirmed to push Square during a recent exclusive demo event that Concrete Genie, the full game, will be with us on the 8th of October in North America and 9th of October in Europe. Confirmed to be looking great and already very polished given its release, imminent release date. Way though, law listeners, the title will t- retail for just £24.99 Great British Pounds or £29.99 for our American cousins. The developer has picked this lower price point as it wants many, as many people to play it as possible, which we have to commend highly. So I'm very excited by that. We saw that first at the Sony State of Play. Um... Interesting looking game. Getting more details now and a preview over at Push Square, so please go have a look at their hands-on they've had with it. But uh, 
game looking absolutely exquisitely beautiful and I'm very excited for that next up Dragon Punch but no Sensei Rius hmm no problems here Sensei Rius just some super smash news Hero from Dragon Quest series is now officially available as a playable fighter in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. If you want to be able to play as this fictional character, you'll need to update your game software to version 4.0.0 and either purchase or already own the Fighter's Pass, $22.49 or $24.99 respectively, or the Hero Challenger Pack at £5.39 or $5.99 respectively again. The hero comes with Yagrasil's altar stage and several orchestrated music tracks from the Dragon Quest series. There are also alternate character designs representing the main characters from several of the Dragon Quest games. Hmm. If Tom were here, I'm sure he'd be getting all excited about the Ninty news. Seeing as he's not, I'm sat alone, surrounded by bottles of my own bodily fluids, dressed in a Mario onesie, looking unkempt and unshaven, and a little bit lonely. But, the last bit of news, listeners, kick off in the right kit. <laughs> You'll see what we've done there. Rocket League 80s-themed event Radical Summer is into its third phase, turbo-boosting into play the legendary Night Industries 2000, more popularly known as Kit, from the hit 80s show Night Rider. The Night Rider Car Pack DLC should be out by the time this podcast's in your feed and includes the Kit Battle Car, Kit Wheels, and Gullwing Topper. Plus, as part of this Radical Summer 80s themed event, which is live until August 12th, listeners, you can earn cassettes from playing online matches, which can be redeemed in the event store for in game items inspired by 80s television. Not only do they have Knight Rider, check out battle car customizations from DreamWorks, Voltron Legendary Defender, and the WWE, aka the WWF. Not the Panda Savers, but the Man Slammers. As a side note, Xbox Game Pass owners, get this game for free. So go seek out this DLC if you want to freshen up your Rocket League this summer. Great option there from the scriptwriters about the Xbox Game Pass owners and their ability to be able to have that game as part of that service, and they can go grab this DLC in a way. Great time to pick it up and freshen up that Rocket League. Now, listeners, did we miss anything? Do you have an opinion or take on the news we missed? Well, if we did, you can email us at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com or DM us on Instagram or Twitter. Tom's not here, but I've spread his jumper that Mumsy knitted with all the contact details out on the floor. Dear listeners, I'm reading straight from that. So, rather quickly, without someone to bounce off, we've arrived at the meat of the show. The history of handheld gaming. The past, the present and the future feature. Because you know we like to make a mouthful of that. This week's feature is a discussion about the history of handheld gaming, its past, present and future. As always, you guys got in touch to share those treasured memories of those handhelds of yore or hopes of machines to come to add a real personal touch to this story. So here we find ourselves once again. We've looked for the real Genesis moment. It's not easy to find, but we think we have. Way back in 1976... Mattel, the toy manufacturer, developed a handheld electromechanical game called Auto Race. A strange thing by modern standards, but the closest thing we can find to a handheld game and the first. It's probably one of these moments where I've had several of these electromechanical devices over the time. Uh, Tomy are the ones that spring to mind, are the ones I've got. It's like a uh, bike riding game. I can't remember what the other one is. I think it might be a BMX trick jump game. But effectively, you put batteries in this thing and a motor rotates a background and you can sort of interact your character, which is normally on a slider at the bottom of the screen or on some versions it's like on a clear panel so you can do jumps over obstacles that are rotating towards you. Yes, listeners, this rather barbaric 
cave-like, caveman-like image is what people were calling handheld gaming back in 1976. There are other iterations and variants of it, but uh, that's kind of the medieval look at handheld gaming. And I think it would be time to mention Adam the Artist. Uh, he He's over on Insta and Etsy. And I do believe if you go to Etsy and type comic pictures, no space, you will find his wonderful store. And on there, slowly but surely, are coming some of the unofficial controller podcast pictures. Feel free to message him and ask for a copy of those. If not, completely understand and probably go for the Wolverine image. But despite all of that, despite all of that, listeners, the submission of the month, which started last week and will rotate through over the next two or three weeks, will be rewarded with one of these pieces of artwork. So listen in, let's find out what Adam the Artist has to say for himself. I've had a few handheld systems, Donkey Kong, LCD, all the way to the Switch. Aside from the fact the Switch is a proper console, and I guess the PSP Vita is too, nothing else has ever been that spectacular. There have been highlights, of course. Tetris was revolutionary, as was the Game Gear, which brings me to my fondest memory. I had a Game Gear and a few games which I loved, even though the SNES was out by then. Anyway, I dropped it and some of the liquid leaked out, so only two-thirds of the screen worked, but if you put it on a radiator for ten minutes before playing it, it worked properly, for about an hour, which, let's face it, was as long as the batteries lasted. Well, <laughs> and in the artist, I can agree with some of that. Not all of that, but some of that. I think that's going to be my new catchphrase for you. Uh, what have you said there? Donkey Kong LCD system all the way to the Switch. So you've been on that journey. Um, PSP and Vita 2, you're classing as proper consoles as well. Well... I feel better about that because they're the handhelds I rock on a daily basis. Uh, highlights, of course, Tetris Revolution. Yes, it was. And the Game Gear. Uh, fragile, yes. Capacitors blown. <laughs> Quite a lot. And what happened to his leaked liquid out? So only two-thirds of the screen worked. But a classic fix there. Leaving it on the radiator for ten minutes before playing it. Worked properly for an hour. Batteries lasted, yeah, that's a point. I mean, I've got a Game Gear in the old retro bunker here, and the fortunate thing I find, and we'll get to this, is that modern batteries have really given that machine a new lease of life. Anyway, let's skip forward, and it's Nintendo that took centre stage with its infamous Game & Watch series in 1979. Watching a bored businessman on a train playing with a calculator, Gunpei Yokoi, apologies Gunpei if I've... Uh, massacred your name in Japanese, but probably as good as my pronunciation was going to go. Gunpei was inspired. We'll hear more from him later. And he wasn't done with the game and watch, and we'll go on to do way more. Back to 1979, Gunpei was inspired by his voyeur-like train journey and came back to Nintendo HQ and he released his game and watch systems. Taking the innards of the small electric calculators and their shrinking of certain tech, the Game & Watch was a real benchmark and the first thing we modern gamers would recognise as a handheld. Employing a NES-style D-pad and two buttons for character control, the Game & Watch series really is the genesis of gaming in many ways. Now, what we must remember there is the D-pad, as far as I'm aware, didn't exist until these Game & Watches came around. So we talk about the history of handheld gaming... We're talking about the history of gaming here. And the D-pad and the buttons have obviously become synonymous with game controllers. Even in this day and age, everyone has a digital little pad on there. And the two buttons, well, all the way back to the Wii, we went back to two buttons on the face. Anyway, now the market was viable and proved proved by Nintendo, all sorts of handheld devices started to drip into the market from the likes of Tomy and Bandai. I must all remember those famous little handheld binocular Tomy devices where you steered a, a character or a, uh, normally a vehicle through a stage. Tomy Tronics. If anyone remembers those, please get in touch, listeners. Um, now, before we go to the Game Boy, let's take a closer look at one of the other manufacturers, Tiger Electronics. 
We've all seen them. We've probably all at least played one. These things were everywhere in the 80s and 90s and still hold some retro appeal due to the stickers and branding on the devices. These ranged in style and complexity from watches to more traditional form, handheld form factor, but if you've played one, you've played them all. Now, guys, obviously Google's a great tool, so you probably need to go out there, grab your machine, type in Tiger Handheld. As soon as those, image comes up, those images come up, you'll go, oh, yeah, Joe, Brian, Bob, Bill, Kevin, Dave, down the street, up the road, at school, on the bus, had one of these maniacal devices. It looked cool. And as, as we'll get to from it's much more, as soon as you turned it on, the cool, unfortunately, instantly vaporised. Uh, it seems like a great time to hear from new but keen and regular contributor on Insta, Harvey Retro. The earliest memory I have of handheld gaming is back to a time before I had my Game Boy. I remember talking about computer games at school with a boy who said he had loads of them and I should come over to his house to play them. I eagerly took up his offer and went over. I remember vividly how my heart sank when I discovered all of them were his, were his Tiger Electronic games. So even when I didn't have the luxury of the Game Boy as a comparison, I still knew all those handhelds were terrible. In terms of handhelds, I've owned the Game Boy was probably, in terms of the handhelds I've owned, the Game Boy was probably the most enjoyment I've had from one. It helps when the system is successful because it has a long lifespan with lots of games. The only other handheld I've had is the PSP. As they weren't as successful, I ended up just playing old PS1 games on it because nothing new was coming out that interested me. Another fan from Insta and YouTube, It's Much More, uh, he got in touch to tell us his memories and they seem to be based on the Tiger games as well. So back at school, I got myself Sonic the Hedgehog Tiger handheld. Quite impressed to show it off. A group of friends gathered. Once powered on. <laughs> I'm laughing on a room in my own. Thank you, it's much more. Once powered on, they quickly disperse. That's fantastic. Uh, and I forgot to say that Harvey Retro says, love the show, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. He really is too kind. I'll take Tom's praise today. Yeah, damn it. I will take Tom's praise to say today. Unfortunately, the games never matched the concept and poor LCD screens and bizarre, weird gameplay hampered their penetration into the market. Other than that of a novelty item or something your grand picks up thinking it's one of those gaming thingies. So let's head back to Nintendo and Gunpai. Gunpai? Gunpai? We'll settle with Gunpai. Feels right, dripping off my Midlands-type tongue. He's been busy, and he's seen a hole in the market. It's here the Game Boy joins the fray. Releasing in Japan in 1989 in April, and North America on the 31st of July, marking 30 years of the original Game Boy. And who says this third-rate show isn't on point, Week in, week out. Well, I'm not saying that, that's for sure. The Game Boy, with its monochrome screen and awesome battery life, gave us the ability to play NES-like games on the go. Also, you could get games for the system, so gone are the days of a different handheld each time. Compared with its competitors, the Game Boy was years ahead of the competition. Champion, the already mentioned championing, once again, listeners, your patience is very much needed here because I'm slipping over words all over the place. With no one to bounce off, it seems like a very lonely and bizarre time of me in a back bedroom rambling, strange ramblings, into a microphone. Mm. Some people get locked up for that. Me, we're just going to get some listens, hopefully. Maybe a couple. Where did we get to? Championing the already mentioned battery life and price point as drivers in their design philosophy. you got to go back to our Gunpei there. you got to hold it up to him. The things he decided to double down on. A lot of people would have doubled down on making sure it had a colour screen, making sure it was 16-bit. You know, battery life and screen be damned. We're not bothered about that. We need this thing to look awesome. Gunpei wanted this thing to not only look awesome, 
but he wanted it to work and had longevity as well. And as we'll find out later on, the longevity of the original Game Boy hardware just kept on going. Let's have a listen to Tinfoil Spider over on Insta. I remember getting a brand new, I'm the youngest of three, I'm used to hand down, hand-me-downs. Original, I got, I remember getting a brand new original Game Boy for Christmas in 1993. I loved the thing so much, but usually had to retrieve it back from my mum who would steal it to play Tetris. I still have it. It's in mint condition and still works perfectly. I think it's that thing that got me hooked on gaming. Great memories, Tinfoil Spider. Uh, yeah, I mean, saying goodbye to your Tetris because Mumsy's taking it. I mean, back in the day, 1993, Tetris and the Game Boy were still cutting edge. And I can't imagine Mumsy wanting to give that back in a hurry. Um, anyway, back to the story. As we mentioned, as we talk of Tetris, we also must mention that Yokoi was no fool and knew his new device needed that one game to get it into homes. Bizarrely, this would come in the form of a game from the other side of the Iron Curtain, the legendary Tetris. This combination, along with many other great games, not only from Nintendo but others, launched the little green screened handheld into the stratosphere. Now, little segue while researching the show, it transpired that the, uh, the legendary Tetris really didn't come to the Game Boy. Hopefully we'll be able to cover this in a, an episode of its own, because I do believe Tetris is big enough to handle that. But just a quick aside, a young man from Nintendo happened across uh, Tetris on the show floor of a, a show, late 80s, and he, he saw this this interesting looking game that was being championed by Spectrum Holobyte and he kind of thought this is the sort of thing that thing that Game Boy thingy that Yokoi's working on would benefit from so he went to Yokoi and he said something along along the lines of you should sell this game as a pack-in with your console oh said Yokoi we're 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 thinking of launching with Super Mario hmm said this unknown character that's gonna sell a lot of Game Boys to kids, but Tetris is going to sell this Game Boy to everybody. He was quickly given a budget and ushered on his way to go sign up Tetris. The rest, as they say, dear listener, is history. And the Game Boy is going on, went on to sell 118 million units. Now, listeners, this does include different variations up to the colour, Game Boy colour, but still the original hardware in there, and that is an incredible incredible number uh, before we move on from the Game Boy let's just have a listen to the Barberhoo games over on good old Instagram who's got in touch loyal fan got in touch just like you guys can if you're listening now and you're thinking hmm wish I could contribute you can either DM us on any of the social media that we exist on Instagram or Twitter or you can comment in one of the posts or the stories that we put up or if you really want to, as we said at the top of the show, you can email us at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com. Now, anyway, the Barberhoo Games. I still remember waking up Christmas 1999 and receiving the Game Boy Color, along with a copy of Super Mario Bros. Deluxe and Clax. And after a few hours of play, the next thing I knew was I was hooked. It was my introduction to Nintendo, after only having the original PlayStation, but that's besides the point i still remember all the gaming that got done on car and school bus rides to pass the time along with everyone huddling around the nearest light source just to see the screen better which became especially common when we made the switch to the original game boy advance yes i remember struggling to play a nintendo game boy advance uh, without its backlit screen my favorite memory still probably when i got my playstation vita back in 2012 I didn't think graphics on a handheld could get any better after that. Then the Switch came along and proved me wrong. Hmm, this is a solid point. I've pretty much made it one of my collecting goals now to track down all the retro handhelds. Now that I have all the consoles, all the normal consoles, that I wanted. As always, young um, The Barber Who Games. Great submission. Some great memories there. Uh, the idea of gathering around on a school bus or your friends gathering around and 
uh, trying to get their mitts on the latest tech is one that uh, fills us with nostalgia, me especially. Say us, Tom will retrospectively agree to this, but I'm going to agree on his behalf. Um, where do we get to? Well, that submission from the Barber Who Games, many of you are probably wondering where the immortal Sega are. Well, they had a go at doing a Game Boy, but theirs was colour. I know we believe it's a bit of a different beast these days with modern batteries in the back. The Game Gear with its backlit screen showed that Nintendo had made the right call on going through the black and white screen technology. Though, as we say, we implore you to look one out, especially a recap model, as they're a real treat for any retro collector and super cheap to collect for. Now, we've got a Game Gear down here in the bunker, and with a set of modern lithium batteries in it, it seems to just go and go. I haven't done a test on it. Maybe one day we'll do a special where we play a Game Gear with modern batteries in it for as long as we can till it dies. It'd probably be for the same two hours as it was back in the day, but this one in the bunker is either possessed or seems to be very gentle with its batteries. And the recapping will refer to the fact that to keep prices down, good old Sega uh, scrimped a little bit on some of the components and those capacitors can go bad and pop, leaking their insides all over. But don't worry, dear listener, if you've still got your Survivor game gear, there are people that offer a service of recapping those on the internet, eBay. Uh, I've seen someone offering a service. If you like that more... Uh, trusted feeling of walking into a brick and mortar store and asking someone to do it right there in front of you there's a, a game shop in Lincoln in Lincolnshire called Gotham Games now they recap game gears not only the recap ones they've got in stock but I do believe 99% sure that they'll recap your one too it's not too difficult but if the idea of getting a soldering iron out and a Phillips screwdriver and pulling your the innards out of your game gear so it looks like an extra from Saving Private Ryan's beach landing scene, you probably ought to look out some technical guru to assist you with that. Hmm. Who else had a go at making a handheld? Well, let's not forget the old guard at Atari, also weighed in with the Atari Lynx. Once again in colour, this machine from Atari had some great advertising, but it seemed that the push-to-go colour hampered the competitors in the marketplace. Atari Lynx. Great machine. I know a good friend of mine gets very emotional about the Atari Lynx. It wasn't theirs, but they borrowed it from their cousin, and seemingly the only game they had was California Games, uh, and that is a very treasured, nostalgic memory for them. I do believe um, California Games was the packing for the immortal Atari Lynx, as I'm now coining it, and uh, some other innovative features where it was a bit of a you-could-play-goofy on that, I do believe is the phrase, because it, it was invertible. You could play upside down in tote format, so you had the controller at the bottom and the screen at the top, so you flipped it over to its side, or you could turn the whole thing upside down and still play it. It didn't matter. It was inclusive in a time when we were exclusive. Good old Atari. Uh, now, some more honourable mentions in the late 90s come to the Neo Geo Pocket. Again, I'm a big fan of that little console. And Sega's Nomad, where the Game Gear was a Master System in your pocket, the Nomad was a Mega Drive or Genesis in your pocket, depending on region, with a great library. Obviously, the Mega Drive or Genesis is. Genesis is. Once again, I'm on my own. It feels very strange. Uh, Genesis is. What is the plural of Genesis, listener? Tom was here, I'm sure he'd tell me it was Genesai. He wouldn't tell me anything, would he? He would just say he didn't know. Anyway, uh, great library, great little system, bit too late, badly advertised, badly retailed, came at a bit of an awkward time for Sega. If you can get hold of one, pick it up. Uh, if not, don't worry about it. I don't think you're missing too much. Uh, so really at this point, we've got to say, it's all Nintendo and refinements of its Game Boy. Seeing another surge in sales, Pokemon came to the shores of Europe and America. People dug around in their sock drawers for that old brick and dusted her off to become the very best like no one ever was. You all remember your starter Pokemon and the Game Boy and Handheld Gaming wouldn't be with us as we know it without the iconic franchise. Seems like a great time to hear from Tech Mike Reviews from Insta and YouTube. 
I remember my first handheld gaming machine, he says, was a Mattel football, which was really fun at the time. Then I received a Game Boy Color with Pokemon Gold and was just blown away. Throughout the years, I've always had a handheld from Nintendo and a home console. Now with the Switch, I have all of it in one. The handheld space has changed with the introduction of smartphones, but for me... I was a dedicated machine for game. I want a dedicated machine for gaming like the Switch. The Switch and what it represents is the future of handheld gaming. Great little submission there from Techmark Reviews. Um, Mattel Football. Oh my goodness. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine what that was like. We know that uh, that would have been a very early system. But going from that to Pokemon Gold was like going from the Wright Brothers to space travel in the beat of a heart so hopefully you you enjoyed that transition you seemingly did take my reviews because you're still with us and you're still gaming anyway with all that love for the switch there tech Mart reviews let's head back to nintendo now they really went unchallenged bringing us the pocket version or smaller versions of the original hardware and with great screen and then color before finally bringing us the game boy advance a snes in your pocket this little handheld is a beauty, a great way to play Nintendo's 16-bit gems on the go, often reworked for the GBA so there's something new to discover as you play. But it seems like handhelds were Nintendo's place to excel, until Sony decided it was going to make the Walkman for the 21st century with its PSP. Nintendo also had designs of its own and launched its successor to the GBA, its Nintendo DS, with machines launched in late 2004 but reaching their full stride when launched worldwide by 2005, Sony, it seemed, would be quite the competitor, and its machine named at an older de demographic was something that had worked well in the first PlayStation iteration, offering a powerful gaming device with unique disk storage system that Sony called UMD. This thing even came with movies. Now that's something to remember there, listeners, because at the time... DVD was own, you know, was really in its infancy, and Sony had come along and offered this really great-looking screen, really great-looking form factor, using their weight as a as a movie house as well, tying in these UMDs so you could take movies on the go, much like in the eighties you took music on the go. They really were innovating. Um, also championing the cause for the bigger boy games, doing their best to move the battlefield to one that was more comfortable for them. That's right, with Sony, they were bringing some of their own first-party titles to the PSP, and the PSP was, was a machine that sort of decided it was the adult's console, and, and therefore the Game Boy or Nintendo's variation of a handheld device at the time, the DS, was the kid's machine. Not a bad um, battle line to draw, I suppose, Sony, if that's the way you're looking at doing it. Sony's PSP would go on to sell 80 million handheld devices, which is staggering. But the Nintendo DS, with games such as Nintendogs, the obligatory Mario and Zelda games, and don't forget the big gun Pokemon, would go on to nearly double that with 150 million. Here, Nintendo's dominance would start to wobble just enough, just a little, but not enough to panic. They went the route of 3D with the 3DS, which was cutting edge, really, with glasses-free 3D. But it fell foul of adults who didn't really want their young children's eyes harmed by this 3D witchcraft, a little senseless in our eyes. But it did prompt Nintendo to remove 3D and go with a revision called the 2DS. One more time, though, Sony would have a go. This time it would get it right. Mm, the Sony Vita. We are fans again on the show, or at least I am. And seeing as Tom's not here, he's a big fan of it too. We really enjoy the Vita's remote play and some of its exclusive library. We don't like, however, proprietary memory cards that restrict the download of games and also storage space. The form factor, though, and some of the games means you should check this little machine out and join the rabid fan community. It's also picked up some great games, some limited run, where its indie download-only titles saw physical release thanks to the good team of limited run. Now, this might seem like a good place to bring in um, Stuck in the Past Lane. He goes on to say that his uh, Game & Watch Donkey Kong Jr. was the first, followed by Game Boy Color, SP, DSi, and PSP, 
Still using his PSP regularly though. Try as I might, may, I can't get on with phone games. Me neither. Stroke ports. Just me? Question mark. Not just you stuck in the past lane. Not just you. But if you're still playing the PSP regularly, that's why I wheeled you in at that moment. You really ought to upgrade to a Vita. There's some PSP compatibility. You can download PSP games onto your Vita, like Gran Turismo, uh, amongst others. And you can also play your PS1 uh, classics on there too. So, stuck in the past lane, if you see one at the price that's enticing to you, I would say, pick one up. Now, it was into this space that Nintendo doubled down on its mark as a handheld maker and unified seemingly forever a hybrid home machine you can take on the go and full circle back to its roots. Home to some really innovative games, and because Tom's not here I can say not just Wii U remasters, it seems only right and fitting that we mention the big N here as we come full circle from the Game & Watch and its D-pad innovation to the Game Boy and its staggering lifespan and awesome software. 30 years on, are we in a better place? Hmm... We've chosen not to mention mobile phone games, but there's there's a place to mention such games as Angry Birds. They should get the respect they deserve. But for us, handheld gaming is always best on a dedicated machine. We may possibly cover mobile, as in phone gaming, in another episode, if there's the appetite. Wetting my finger, sticking it in the air. There's going to be no appetite for that. Remember, if you play Sudoku on your phone... You're a gamer. Hmm. I don't agree with that sentiment. Uh, we're, not, we're really not sure where the handheld market's going. Whichever way it ends up going, Nintendo is sure to be the captain of that ship as we see it. A real fitting way to finish is to mention regular contributor Finster Gamer, who's looked back at the evolution of the Nintendo handheld from the DS as a handheld 2D console all the way back to the Switch Mini Lite, which is a 2D handheld console hmm. we implore our listeners to check out his little infogram and content as it's always first class so it's probably right and poignant to end with submission from the finster gamer the evolution of handheld gaming is a weird one as there isn't an obvious upward curve of progression innovative features are added and then taken away from one model to the next so it's always two steps forward one step back approach we all remember a handheld console that had a great feature that has long since been removed. Hmm. I've tagged my page, so people... Sh- the I've tagged this page in my most recent post, which we've alluded to. Sorry for that, Fitz the Gamer. I stumbled over my own words every week. Listeners, there's one thing you can guarantee, is I'm going to fall foul of my own mouth. Uh, and he's showing the processing power and graphics have improved but it's been a bit back and forth along the way as he talks of the implementation of different things, 3D and then back to 2D and stylus and then no stylus and screen, two screens and then back to one screen. Finster Game has summed it up. Nintendo sometimes I don't think know which way to go after the original Game Boy, but let's face it, listeners, right now they're not doing a bad job at all. That, unfortunately, is the feature. I'm looking at the clock a little panicked. Wishing I had someone to bounce off to really pad this feature out, which is, to be fair, a great feature and one we may revisit when we get the Mighty Tom back on board. Now, listeners, it's time for that time of the week, the part that you all skip to eagerly to hear your name read out along with whatever it is you've picked up over the last gaming week. Listeners, Stingray. When the big man makes a house call, you better be ready. These guys got... Oh, my God. My God. I'm on my own and making a bigger, complete cogloodle of it than I normally would do. These guys got in touch to show us their pickups from Stingray's boot. You can too. Just hashtag Stingray's boot on Instagram or Twitter or email us at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com. Listeners, hopefully you're on board and you're listening in. And you're heading over to your phone. You've picked up your phone very slowly like me as an old man. You've typed in Stingray's boot. You've clicked on the hashtag. You've probably spelt it right, unlike me. <laughs> it's our feature. 
don't even know how to spell it. Let's have a look. Okay, first up, Ozcat TV. <laughs> oh, look at this. He's joined us in the celebration of all things handheld, and he's splayed out his Nintendo handheld collection like a young girl trying to get into modelling. Like, Ozcat, that's great. Unofficial controller podcast, posting up about Trace Ray. Trace Ray, unfortunately, couldn't be with us. Best laid plans of mice and men. Listening right now, you're probably thinking, I wish you'd been there. I'm sure we'll get her on at some point in time. Next up, let's invoke the Sharaban. Hard to do on my own, but Sharaban, Sharaban, Sharaban. Looks like he's been in Ninja Gaiden's garden. And he's got his Ninja Gaiden selection. Going all the way back to the NES, through the Game Boy, through the Game Gear, and then popping out at current game status. Looks like his latest title's on the PS3. As always, Sharaban, thank you for the content. Tinfall Spider. <laughs> up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Maybe start. Look at this. Look at this. Uh, little hat for them. That's great. Konami code from back in the day. Very, very cool. Boba Loba. He's got an Amiga spread eagled on some carpet tiles. What's the story here? He salvaged it. Hasn't done a thing, single thing to it. Doesn't have the peripherals. Literally just a main unit and power supply. Maybe I should get rid. Boba Loba, I know roughly where you live. Give me the nod. Lob it in the wheelie bin. I'll come round and pick it out. No one's the wiser. Do you know I'd love... Do you know what I'd really love, listeners? An Amiga like that, because I had an Atari ST growing up. I'd love an Amiga like that and a copy of Virgin's Space Shuttle Simulator. You look agog. I'm a very strange man with some very strange retro tastes. I'd also like to pick up B-17 Flying Fortress for that and Jeff Crammon's Microprose Grand Prix, amongst other games that I remember from my 16-bit personal computing childhood. Nice work, Boba Loba. It powers on. I tell you what, probably displays an image too. Oh, here he is. Everyone's favourite computer game cannibal, Retro Gamer Thomas, a.k.a. the Hannibal of the show. Let's wheel him in, undo the face mask, and find out what he's picked up. He's on holiday this week, uh, and much to his humour, he got in touch to let us know that on holiday he's now being referred after my comment of him eating a Mega Drive's ROM chip while keeping it switched on. Uh, He's now known as the Hannibal of games. Uh, And his good lady so inspired felt that evening they needed to watch silence of the lambs what's retro gamer thomas <laughs> again i'm laughing on my own listeners i hope you're laughing as well it makes me feel slightly less weird metal gear acid on the psp as retro gamer thomas sipping a glass of chianti and looking proud he's got warriors of the lost empire a game i don't know that much about heavy rain the move edition nice Good pickup. Gangs of London. Scratching my head a little blankly. I do believe I've got that. Tried to play it. Probably felt I'd be more efficient removing my brain, wrapping my brain around a pebble and throwing it down the road. But if you enjoy it, you go crazy with it, Retro Gamer Thomas. Either which way I see it, a pickup's a pickup. He also says... Stingray plus at Austin Maestro plus awesome podcast equals the unofficial controller podcast. Go listen, you won't be disappointed. If you're here off the back of his recommendation, thank you. Stick with us. Back to normal service sometime soon. Uh, Who else we got here? The Photo Mode 16. Got another drawing done. Oh, it's a Star Fox drawing. Do you know, if you want to do drawings, listeners, and slap them in Stingray's boot, I'm all. I'm all. For that, look out, Mr. Nintendo fan. Do believe he's our Australian listener. Um, what's he got? He's picked up this beautiful-looking Zelda Breath of the Wild enhanced wireless controller. Nice pickup. Again, Mr. Nintendo fan, if Tom was here, I'm sure he'd be raving about that. Who we got? The Photo Mode 16. They look new to me, but if they've been on before, I apologise. 
He's picked up a Saturn, 70 pounds. He's been waiting for this since his broke in 1999. Can't wait to hook it up. Looks like he's kicking off with his original games from back then as well. Tomb Raider and Resident Evil. Nice to see that copy of Tomb Raider. The Photo Mode 16 still got its electronics boutique price tag on it. Good pickup. Hopefully influenced off the back of our episode. Or if you haven't heard it, go check your back catalogue in your podcast feed. He's back again, Sharaban, Sharaban, Sharaban. And he's got his Altered Beast collection. Project Altered Beast on the PlayStation 2 and Altered Beast on the Mega Drive. I did not know we were fortunate stroke unfortunate enough to receive a sequel on the PlayStation 2. By that time I brushed up my gaming knowledge. That looks about as good as the original, but... Moving on, Radbash Gaming. Can't have a show without Radbash Gaming. I <laughs> commented on this. He's picked up some Xbox original games, or the Xbox One, as we used to call it during the 360 era. He's got Star Wars Starfighter Special Edition on the Xbox, Crash Nitro Kart, and he's also packed, picked up Advent Rising. Happened to notice on there a little sticker saying, play and win a million dollars. Unfortunately, that's well past its expiry date. Look at Oscat's back on the scene. Oh, on this day, a short 18 years ago, in 2001, I took a long walk from my house to the only game stop that existed that I that I knew existed to buy the most impressive video game I'd ever gotten the pleasure to experience in Pokemon Gold and Silver's third instalment being and Silver's third instalment being Crystal. The copy on top of the GBSP is that exact copy I went to purchase. And here it is with me after 18 years. I've actually had to use the store phone to call my mum to come to get me because it was 8pm and around a three-hour walk. My God, Oscat. Even then, going the extra mile for those pickups. What an absolute legend. He's saying he also can't wait for Sword and Shield on the Switch this November. As if my magic, he appears again. What's he got here? Lapis Labyrinth and Mercenaries Saga Chronicles, both for the Switch. 138 unique titles now, he says, for the Nintendo Switch. I've said it once, I'll say it again. Sharaban, here with his Bayonetta collection. Nice little amiibo there. Uh, copy of it on PS3. And copy of 1 and 2. For the uh, Wii U as well. Very nice to see. Haven't liked that yet. I will do now, Sharaban. Don't panic. Uh, I haven't liked Toscats either. Nice to get your homework done on air. That's what we like to listen to. You liking pictures on Instagram. While we look. Didn't even like that drawing as well. Photo mode did. Should have. Good effort. Right. Back to present day. We've done Sharaban. Underscore Retrovisions underscore. What's he got? Not the best picture. Picked up a NES and SNES lot with his complete inbox NES controller. Happy to rebuild the collection after the wedding bit by bit. Mocko's Rod and Life is a highlight for me. Haven't played that game in ages. Hmm. He's got me intrigued. Retrovisions. Let's zoom in. Looks like he's got a game genie for the NES. Kung Fu. I'd recognise that MLB logo, logo anywhere. Guerrilla War, classic, which is Spy Hunter. Uh, and he's got some SNES games as well. Pilot Wings, Street Fighter 2. My eyesight's failing me. But uh, those NES controllers box look great. Ozcat again. Don't worry if you're feeling lonely on the show with me. Ozcat's here. Might as well be doing the show with me. What we got? Runbo, Adventure Time. Tanks, tanks, tanks. So good, they named it three times. Nice, Oscat. Ah, the immortal Game Boy Matty's been out picking up retros. This is the show's immortal two-year-old, and he is showcasing his pickles, what we got. So we got Link Plush, Donkey Kong Plush, Conker's Bad Fur Day uh, little figurine, some Wii games, Raymond, Raving Rabbits, Wario Land, Marion Son at the Olympics, and The Great Knights. It's got some PS2 games as well. The Incredibles, Madagascar, and Hulk. Cars for the Nintendo DS. 
Well done. Stuck in the pass lane. Love seeing CRTs in here. He's gone and upgraded himself to a Sony Trinitron 14-inch. Nice work. Seemingly aping myself. I've already written that on there. Harvey Retro. He was in the main feature. And now he's in Stingray's boot. What's he got? Duke Nukem on the PlayStation, the original. The certificate game everyone played before. 18 certificate game everyone played before turning 18. Shake it, baby. Winking emoji. Damn right, Harvey Retro. In fact, I played Duke Nukem on a works PC while I should have been working. Hmm. Probably sums up my career year to date. Nice work, Harvey Retro. Good to see you in the boot and in the feature. Hoscat TV. Do you know what? We join him on his journey here. He's picked up Professional Farmer for the Switch and Tiny Troopers XL Joint Ops. Retro Collector Ray pulls out a belter. Seems to have picked up Mortal Kombat on the Master System. Mortal Kombat 2 on the Mega Drive. Nice work. Nice work indeed. Big fan of the combat series here. Oh, with all the car boots being washed out for our American cousins, that's what we refer to as a thrift sale, I guess. He had a little look down at CEX and came out with those two Sega beauties. Oh, hey, Mike K, new name to the show. Have a habit of taking walks late at night in order to catch up with podcasts and keep physically active. On tonight's walk... I am across a box of games being tossed to the side of the road. I immediately grabbed the Xbox console, as it was the largest piece there, and headed home to grab my bag to get the rest. About 20 minutes later, I'm carrying a £20 bag of games, controllers and cables. I dusted it all off, but have yet to test anything. I also tweeted the last Blockbuster video, as if they'd, autogra as if they'd autographed their exclusive Xbox game. Haven't received an answer yet. Oh, I see what you mean. He, he meant to email the last remaining Blockbuster to see if they would autograph. Because I do believe, listeners, there is one surviving Blockbuster store somewhere in mid-state America. And Oh Hey Mike K has picked up a copy, a Blockbuster exclusive of Outlaw Volleyball. Mm-mm-mm. That is great gaming mediocre at its highest heights. Panic over, panic over, Devin Zilla, another young listener on the show. He's had some very busy pickups. Looks like he's got himself what looks like a Jurassic World pillowcase. As always, listeners, he's doing this, his display on the cooker, because the Zillas love, love, cooking up a retro storm uh, he's got a cuddly snake he's got himself uh, some kid cranium spongebob stuff <laughs> devinzilla always knocking it out of the park got himself an inflatable pink flamingo pool float it looks like he's got himself some mummyzilla can do him some pack ups uh, a little box to put his pack up in some Avengers tat and a puzzle from Jurassic World. He's picked up Dragon World, Secrets of Dragon Domain, which I'm presuming must be some sort of role-playing game. Devin Zilly, you'll have to tell me more. Young listener, some nice Garfield bits. Big fan of Garfield here. Um, are they fireworks you've picked up? I don't know if you're old enough to play with fireworks, but, you know, with the help of Daddy Zilla, I'm sure that will be all fine. And he's also picked himself up a copy of Monster Jam, Toy Story 3, and SpongeBob SquarePants boxed on the PSP. Also looks like he's got himself a copy of it, Toy Story 3 on the DS. Uh, Spider-Man and Garfield. Now there's a young man that likes Garfield. He'll pick up a tin, he'll pick up a glass, he'll even pick up the Game Boy Advance game. What a legend. Panic over, listeners. Daddy Zilla, just so you know, Devin Zilla's picked up fireworks. Might lose an eyebrow or three. Uh, he's only got two. Don't know why I said three. Possibly you might lose one. Fireworks. 
dangerous. Arm's length, very much like the Stingray. Approach at arm's length, 60 degree angle, 40 degree angle while looking at 20 degrees. That made sense at one point in time. Right now, not much. What's going on with Daddyzilla? Once again, cooking up a retro storm. The pile, the haul, he puts us all to shame. He puts us all to shame. He's picked up a PSP, a beautiful looking, a beautiful looking boxed Xbox original. That is beautiful. He's picked himself up some 360 games. Uh, <laughs> Daddy Silla. If I had all parts in different places and perhaps passed as a female, I might fall in love with you. The awesome Ugly Kid Joe. I like what you've done there. Uh, I think there's the single or the EP uh, and the full album, America's Least Wanted. Great album, still to this day. Metallica and Stray Cats. He's picked a whole host of PlayStation 2 tat-up, NBA games, Kabbalah's Dangerous Hunt, Tony Hawk's games, Call of Duty games, 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 you name it, games, he's got the games. Uh, slightly more high caliber pickup here he's got some Kingdom Hearts stuff Gungrave much overlooked on the PS2 Metal Gear Solid Substance by the look of it 3 and 2 versions the expanded versions for the Playstation consoles Playstation 2 console picks himself up some PS4 games Crash Bash he's picked up a real great looking stack of what looked like uh Spyro figures, so they'll be the old Skylanders uh, tat. That's even got polystyrene and baggies on the wires, that Xbox Daddyzilla. Has that ever even been plugged in? He's also picked up some Sims games, GameCube games, it's PSP games, MLB The Show. <sighs> Wish we could get that over here on PSP. I still play my PSP. That I bet that game's awesome. The Ozcat back again, Adventure Time, Cars. And Runner 3 on the Switch. Radbash Gaming got on board and got himself what looks to me like a uh, Sony PlayStation Classic Mini. Uh, he's got himself Toe Jam and Earl 3 on the original Xbox. Um, we've only gone and posted a picture up of the Immortal Stingray done by Adam the Artist. Nice to see. Great stuff. Radbash Gaming. Uh, Mary Kate and Ashley don't judge I won't no problems uh, Breaking Bad Shot Glass Men of Valor original Xbox Rally Sport Challenge great exclusive little game there Daddyzilla oh my goodness Daddyzilla you just keep going from great strength to strength how would the duck possibly the greatest Lucas movie ever made uh, Retro Visions once again uh, he's got some exclusive Little Atari carts there. Uh, Daddyzilla again. Is that the full turn of the wheel? Certainly must be. Uh, Gears of War. IA Retro Gamer Dad. Picked up Red Dead Revolver and some other Xbox original games. Nice to see. Once again, is that an MLB game? MLS. Extra Time. ESPN. 2002. Uh, the Barbaroo Games. Last week. Off our recommendation, he went and got himself Wolfenstein Youngblood and Fire Emblem Three Heroes. If Tom hadn't been so selfish as to have his firstborn, he might be telling you about that. Three Houses game. Harvey Retro, big fan of the show. Come in with a copy of Golden Axe 2. Um, Retro Gamer Thomas. Who says a man can't pack? Looks like he's taking his red PSP away with him. Hmm, it's all in a protective case. He must know the temptation to pull the back out of that and nibble on its chipset while playing it is way too high up his temptation list. So he's clagged it in an armor-like case to defend itself from his own uh, inappropriate ways. Sharaban, again, he's got himself a copy of J-Stars versus God knows what on the PS3. Sharaban with his God of War collection. Comic pictures. Now, I do believe, listeners, this is Adam the Artist's AKA on Insta. He's given us a pretty solid-looking thumbs-up 
next to a copy of Plague Tale Innocence he's picked up for the Xbox One. £25 out of Stingray's boot, he says. Nice, I said. Like. Done. Like what you've done there, Adam. And he says that the Plague Tale is an enjoyable game and he says it looks great in 4K on the big boy's Xbox. Well, got to agree with that. It certainly piqued my interest and I hope to pick it up soon. Now, listeners, that's all the dips in the boot. Don't forget to hashtag Stingray's boot or email us for your pickups to be read out on air. Listeners, I don't know how or why he's going to be coming up the drive shortly because Wayne raised prostate in a hospital bed having fallen from his uh, stabilizerless bike if I've remembered the story I wove at the beginning of the show as to why Trace Ray wouldn't be joining us. But either which way, he doesn't seem to have been that busy this week. So there's not much, listeners, in his boot. At least that's what I've heard. Anyway, here he comes. Like only a man whose child's in hospital, his wife's at the bedside, and he knows that there's only one of us at the bunker this week. He tears, listeners. He's already torn up the drive. And the wheels have stopped and the springs have stopped squeaking and the boots popped and he stood by it. And if he's not, by now he is. And he's looking bored because his kid's ill. That's only fictional. But not. Anyway, time for a peek in what we affectionately call Stingray's boot. What's nestled between some counterfeit nappies and a dodgy copy about a friend all this week. These are the new release highlights for the week 29th of July to August the 4th, 2019. Listeners, these are out on digital or physical, or will be by the time this podcast is in your feed, but could be region dependent. Now, strangely, I've not tripped over my words there like I normally would do. I've just tripped over the rest of the show. Your patience, listener, at this point is greatly received. First up, let's have a little look in here. What shall I pull out? The Blackout Club, PC, PS4, Xbox, coming out July 30th. The Blackout Club is a first-person co-op horror game centred around a group of teenage friends investigating a monstrous secret beneath the skin of their small town. One to four players explore procedurally generated missions against a fearsome enemy only you can see with your eyes closed. Hmm, intriguing. I employ you to check that one out. Up next, Crystal Defense, little title on the PC, July 31st. Crystal Defense is an action-filled first-person shooter tower defense hybrid. There's a mouthful. Your actions play a critical role in a successful defense. Build and upgrade tower to help you defend. Hmm, Crystal Defense, PC, July 31st. Let's have a look what I'm going to pull out here. Hmm, here we go. An absolute classic. An unofficial controller classic, The Wild Wild West, starring Will Smith. I'll put that on the pile. I'll be watching that tap-filled nonsense in a not-too-distant future. What next on the gaming front? Dry Drowning on the PC, August 2nd. Dry Drowning is a psychological, investigative, visual novel set in a futuristic, dystopian city. Follow the story of Mordred Foley, unscrupulous private detective haunted by his dark past and look into a series of macabre serial killings inspired by Greek mythology. Mm. Another interesting title, listeners. Don't think it's for me, but don't panic. You were thinking, he said there's not much in the boot and he's not done a mummy mummy. Well, listeners, here's my mummy mummy, fan of the American sports as always, Madden 20, out on PC, PS4, Xbox, August 2nd, feel like an NFL superstar in Madden NFL 20. Be the face of an NFL franchise where the decisions you make matter in your journey to become an NFL superstar in face of the franchise quarterback one. Feel the emotion, personality and power of NFL superstars with Superstar X Factor an all-new abilities progression system that reveals special abilities for today's most exciting NFL superstars, heightening the level strategy and excitement in every game. Well, listeners, 
That was my mummy mummy. And as Stingray silently makes his exit, as he does every week, I must ask myself, what am I hoping to play? Well, I should say, mainly I'm looking at playing Yakuza Kiwami. I, I really like that, and I want to get that one done so I can tear into the second one. It's one of the Yakuza games I've not played, the second one. Never had the fortune of owning it first time round on the PlayStation 2, much like I did the sequel, I mean the original. Um, but yeah, looking at finishing this again on PS4, nice game, graphics look good. May pop back to Days Gone. I've looked through on the trophy section. There's not much I need, actually, to get the platinum to drop, so possibly might beaver away at that. Still got Judgment to play. Yes, it's on the list of shame, uh, listeners, but mm, right now there's not really much more I can do about that. And I've got a real strong feeling I'm going to be playing probably some more Minecraft. Now, next week uh, I'll be going on holiday, and obviously with Tom's new arrival, we're not sure if we're going to do a show. If we do, I won't put you through the misery, the misery of having to just listen to me again, because the show is nothing without a co-host, and I'm sorry it didn't come together this week, listeners, but I'm sure it will do soon. If we can't put a show out next week, hopefully we can squeeze out a little special called My Life in Gaming, where I'm going to ask Tom uh, he's probably going to be so Surrey and McKellen by that point that he's going to be una- unassailable in his uh, mediocre celebrity status. But uh, yes, I shall run through with him what his history of gaming. If we don't get to squeeze that in due to the new arrival and me being away, we'll return to you second week of August. No issues. Your favourite average mediocre podcast back to normal strength. Uh, And I guess, really, that's all we've got time for this week, listeners. A little separate aside, a real big special thank you from the Unofficial Controller Podcast for your patience and your time. And we look forward to the pleasure of speaking to you again next week. Until then, happy gaming. Remember, there's nothing wrong with being given the Unofficial Controller. It's what you do with it that counts. Take care, George. See you, George. Take care, George. Bye, George, mate. (laughs) Thank you.